Hey, thanks for listening to this, the 26th episode of the Sharpen Podcast. It's the podcast for young professionals. I'm your host, Kirby Green. Hey, thanks so much for joining us uh, for today's conversation with Brian Shutt. Uh, Brian is the founder of Refinery46. He's going to talk about uh, what what is Refinery46, but more so um, more about intentional physical space um, and uh, what they're doing in the world of co-working. It's a very specific example of this. Uh, but our listeners are going to love, he gets on a little preacher moment of his uh, appreciation for millennials. So <laughs> get ready for that. It's much appreciated. Uh, and then he, uh, he just shares some really good ways that uh, each of us, no matter where we are in life in terms of what our workspace looks like, of how we can incorporate uh, what he's learning with the business so far and what he's learned over time. With that, we'll get to today's conversation in just a moment. Uh, I have so appreciated the feedback from our listeners. You are what drives the future episodes, the future topics, the future guests. Please keep all of that coming. If you have a suggestion of a guest or topic, simply go to kirbyogreen.com backslash contact and you can send me a note. I would love to hear your feedback. That is absolutely what builds this podcast. And the other thing, leave us a review. We want to know what you want more of and less of on the Sharpen podcast. Uh, simply go to Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Of course, leave a rating, a star, but leave your commentary. It's so helpful. Uh, with that, though, we'll go to our episode uh, today with Brian Shutt. I'm laughing now. I pray place great emphasis. Brian, shut. So Brian, if you're listening, you have a super cool last name that made me just now giggle the amount of emphasis that I placed on it. Well, Brian, thanks for joining this morning. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with you today. Uh, first of all, welcome to the Sharpen Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Kirby. Excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed getting to know you and to hear about what's going on in your life, especially this week. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but let's get started. We uh, we have in the past always opened Sharpen episodes. And I'll just say to the guests, tell us about yourself. But for those of you that are routine listeners, we're going we're gonna to shake things up a little bit. So I was telling Brian before we started, I recently went to a Q conference in Nashville. It was an amazing conference. And Andy Crouch was one of the speakers. And he talked about in his um, in his nine minutes that we often talk about ourselves and our stories in terms of what we do versus who we are. And so, Brian, not that we don't want to talk about what you do. It's important <laughs> to our conversation today. But first of all, tell us about who is Brian? Who are you? Uh, so our guests can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. So I am a husband, a dad, an entrepreneur. Um, and obviously, those things get sort of conflated and, and um, intermingled a whole lot. Um, I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, I'm the third born of three boys, and I'm the only one from Indiana. The rest of my family is from California. They moved across the U.S. in 1977 for my dad to be a pastor of a church that's about 100 yards away from uh, <laughs> my building that we'll talk about later, um, which I would have never, ever planned or tried to plan uh, that I would be where I'm at right now. Um, so yeah, Hoosier, uh, though I went to Purdue, so I prefer to call myself a Boilermaker. 
Um, Are you going to do the cheer? Um, I don't even know what the chair is. I'm a terrible oh. fan. I, I, I like freely admit I'm a bandwagon fan um, <laughs> because of the aforementioned description of husband, dad, entrepreneur. I like have about a 20 second attention span. So if, if Purdue and or any other team is not good, uh, it's like if the product's not there, I'm not going to be sort of in it for the long haul. Like I will come back and be a supporter when they're good again. So I was a Purdue basketball fan this year. I've not been a Purdue football fan for about a decade, um, but we're turning the corner there. Um, anyway, so I'm a passive observer of Purdue athletics, so I'm not a good uh, a representation of the fan base because I'm sure there are some people that are like, I don't want anything to do with him now um, <laughs> because of that lack of ongoing support. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in Indy, went to, uh, school at Purdue and then, um, had a really cool experience after college in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, working for an entrepreneur, moved back to Indy and, um, have dabbled in a lot of things before starting a business with a, a friend from Purdue about a decade ago, which has sort of been a snowball of, uh, life change and, and sort of opportunities since then. Yeah, well, I remember when you were sharing some of this of the the work side. Um, it was quite fascinating um, the mini transitions <laughs> that you've that you've uh, navigated. So let's let's talk about that that workspace. Um, yeah. This week is an exciting time in in your life and uh, many others as there's a ribbon cutting ceremony on a place called Refinery Forty Six. And now you were, you alluded to it. Uh, mm -hmm. a little bit earlier. Uh, but tell us about your work and uh, especially the new the new building. Yeah. So Refinery46 is a first of its kind co-working space. And it's first of its kind in that it's focused toward construction, home services, trades. Um, and that idea sort of came to light as I grew uh, with a business partner. Uh, one of my primary businesses called HomeSense Heating and Cooling, which is a residential HVAC company. Uh, here in Indianapolis, um, being sort of a non-traditional owner in the heating and cooling space um, has both been challenging, uh, but more so an opportunity because it gives us a unique lens to look at the market. Um, and so that's almost nine years old. And so short version is we've, we've learned a lot as anybody does when they do a startup. Um, we've made a lot of relationships within the construction and home services space. And so it's been really been sort of the confluence of a few things that the idea for this co-working space came to light, uh, which was, hey, we've got, we know a lot of great practitioners in the construction home service space. Many of them um, struggle with some of the business side of owning a business. Um, so the, the, the non-glamorous uh, but necessary things like how do you keep books um, having a good lawyer to help you write a good contract. What are the sort of marketing uh, opportunities that are out there that you can leverage that are cost effective when you're small and growing? Um, there's just a lot of complexity when you start to overlay all those different things. And so that's really where our strengths are in a lot of those business proficiency areas. And we've had to learn the technical side from the ground up. Uh, whereas a lot of our contemporaries uh, start with the technical proficiency, but don't really know the business side. And so 
Um, we're really trying to marry our strengths and our relationships with a lot of these great practitioner strengths. And then we've seen sort of the confluences. We've seen this co-working um, commercial real estate model really take off over the last decade. Um, and it's while it's becoming more and more prominent and people are aware of it, it's still a fraction of the overall commercial workspace. So it's about 1% of commercial workspace is co-working and um, smarter people than me have sort of gone on record as saying this sort of industry focused or niche focused um, model is sort of the next iteration of co-working space. So we think, um, and we did that before we saw or before there was really a, um, this sort of thinking has been out there around uh, that this is niche focus is going to be the next model. We had jumped in before that, but it's been good to have that validated. Um, so that's, that's the long winded version. Um, so we've been building this space. It's around a 30,000 square foot facility rebuilding rather. Um, it's an, it's about an 80 year old industrial uh, facility in the South Broad Ripple area of Indianapolis that we've been rehabbing for the last couple of years. Wow. And I, uh, I've heard you say before, um, you were talking about how this is becoming somewhat the next wave. You you call this intentional physical space. And one thing that you had mentioned in a prior conversation is um, that when you have focus, as in home services and construction, um, it becomes more relevant, more progressive, more what everyone is looking for as far as a co-working space. So um, do you want to, why don't you speak to that a little bit? And did you originally start with the intention of we're going to create a co-working space or we're going to create a co-working space for home services and construction and what that thought process looked like? Yeah, I think that uh, when I talk about intentional physical space, um, the, what we surround ourselves with, the anesthetic, um, I mean, you think about your home, it's it's not necessarily explicit, but it's like the colors, the design, the what you have on the walls, the light, all of that sort of builds to a, a physical experience that can create moods, it can create a culture. It's not necessarily an end-all, be-all, but um, we felt like, a, a, we have a knowledge of this sector after living it for the last nine years. Um, and we think there are unique characteristics uh, that our sector wants within a physical space. Um, and so, yeah, when we started the concept, we did have, we were intentional about focusing on our industry because there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are doing this and have more of a track record and they know the tech sector or they're maybe more arts focused and we can't necessarily fake that. I think authenticity is so critical uh, for success. Uh, it's always been there, but I think uh, the, the younger generation is, is, I think just has such a keen eye for BS um, can, can see when people are faking it, can see when it's a, a pure money play. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's where it's like, we couldn't go into the tech sector and have success. That's just not, that's not our background. That's not where we could go and be who we are. Like we know the gritty guys that are coming off of a work site, then what they need is a place to set up shop. They still want like a cool physical space, 
but um, if it doesn't have the practical things they need, um, they're not going to they're not going to sign up and be long term tenants for us uh, if it doesn't work for them first. So that's where I think with our methodology, our our goal was first function and then form around it um, as you think about a design aesthetic. So we've been really sort of thoughtful to make sure f- like function has been primary and how we analyze whatever investment we've made. And then it's like, okay, now how do we make that look cool now that it's functional? That's so, that's so good. Uh, yeah. You, you have to have the functionality there. And, and you're right. Hey, Sharpen listeners, Brian gave us a huge shout out that we have a great <laughs> BS barometer. So, um, and, and let also, me jump on that point real quick. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Millennials are unfairly characterized in such a negative light. And, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I want to underscore this point. I'm sort of on a bridge. I don't even know. I'm sure there's some name for, I'm 38, so I'm not anything. I'm not generation X. I'm not a millennial, at least as far as I understand. So I feel like I have a sort of a unique uh, sort of platform. It, it doesn't serve anyone well to sort of sit on the sidelines and be like, I wish they were more like me, you know, whatever Gen, Gen X or, or older sort of, you know, the classic, like get off my lawn mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, no, like a, whatever you're lamenting, who do you think raised your generation? It's like, Hey, don't just sit there, mis- you know, sort of casting stones when you're, when largely the ones doing the stone casting were the ones that raised your generation and B it's like, okay, so what? Like that you guys like value experience more than stuff. I, I think that's tremendous. That's totally where I sort of um, would, def- I would say I'm much more like that. Um, but it's like, okay, like evolve. It's not as though we're like ever static as humans. So I just think it's really short-sighted and and humorous and, um, obnoxious to an extent, this sort of get off my lawn mentality that older people have toward your generation. Cause it's like, it's like, yeah. And so like, it's not like you sitting there like, yelling at them from from your porch to get off your lawn is going to change anything so anyway a little bit of an aside there but i got your back hey thank you thank you and i feel like you're (laughs) exercising your right to a shout out very early on i love it i love it that that took place Uh, there's an article uh that somebody was was sharing with me one time that um it, it starts out with you know the younger generation and they and you think that they're talking about millennials, but it was actually written in like the fifties or sixties. <laughs> and so it's so funny because it points out like that you can become that, you know, if reflective is good, cynical is not. And so, uh, it, I'll, uh, I'll have to see if I can find that article and send it to well, you. Because- and, and it's ignorant to history and how humans work because what inevitably takes place is like we work on a pendulum. And so like, X generation acts, acts one way, following generation, and this obviously we're all individuals. We're not collectivist in how we live our life, but there is a sort of a cultural zeitgeist that I think we all sort of flow within. And it's like, okay, so the 60s, there was a counterculture, and they were sort of reacting to their parents who were largely raised post-World War II. 
And then it's like, okay, so then the 60s generation and 70s raises, you know, whatever I am and, and then the millennial. So it's like, it's a pendulum and we all swing back and forth. And we sort of, what we feel like our parents sort of lacked within it, how they raised us, we're going to be thoughtful in how we raise this next generation. But inevitably, we're going we're gonna to have blind spots that then my kids are going to be like, you guys screwed this up, so we're going to do it differently. Anyway, I'm getting a little broad there, away from topic, but I just think it's like, uh, it's just, a, it, I just don't get into the, I'm going to cast aspersions on this younger generation because they're different. It's yes. just, it's just like short-sighted and really it's like, as I said before, and, and so what, like you guys are there, you're a big generation and are going to, if you don't already, I think you're the largest part of the workforce now, and you're going to quickly be the li- largest part of, uh, the, uh, who controls the most resources with every year that goes on because, because it's such a big generation. So anyway. One thing that makes me really excited too, as a, and I'm, I'm definitely in the millennial grouping, Brian. So, um, I, uh, one thing that, that I've seen is, um, you you talked about working for experiences versus stuff. I also think too, that millennials have brought on a new wave. And I want to talk about this too, with your model of a more, uh, more collaboration, um, in the workplace, because it, it's this mentality of like, Hey, we've seen the like cutthroat competitive every man for himself model. And it just really doesn't work. And also that's not a workplace environment that I want to be a part of. Uh, I'd really like to have, um, and there's a lot of data around, you know, millennials and their workplace peers are more like family than ever before. But Mm -hmm. all of that aside, what I, what I've heard you talk about, and I think would be a value of this listener audience is a, and I'd call it a generous collaborative mindset versus Mm -hmm. a scarcity mindset with refinery, because the people you're bringing together, uh, talk about that a bit. And, uh, I know you, you mentioned it as a part of the model, but, uh, where's that come from? How do you guys think about that? Yeah. 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 Well, I think you said a cutthroat model doesn't work. I think like it can work. It depends on what you want as your outcome. I think what doesn't work for me is that like, okay, so I'm really successful, let's say, and I've, and I've burned every bridge to get there. Mm-hmm. It's how I define ultimate success. And I think that's where I think your generation, you know, again, on average, maybe at a higher awesome. Is that what you're trying a, to say? Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> well, I just think that's a higher percentage. You may be reacting to that sort of mentality that, you know, a workaholic that doesn't have necessarily balance, which I think, I think can be sort of mischaracterized is what balance looks like. But it's like, you're reacting to, okay, I don't want that where I'm gone X hours a week, totally gone. I'm doing it all for the money for a bigger house or or whatever that looks like. So for me, it goes back to like, what's the end game? What's your, what's your ultimate goal? And I think increasingly the younger generation is like, I want to have a much more holistic, maybe not work-life balance. I don't think that's necessarily what... I'm looking for necessarily. I think it's like worth work life integration. Mm-hmm. I want to not feel like my work life and my home life and my friend life that I have to put on these different hats necessarily that I'm just Brian and I'm living out that sort of uh, ongoing sense of self-discovery vocationally, 
and uh, and or as a husband and or as a dad like I'm not necessarily different these are just different manifestations of me trying to be a better me and I think your generation sort of gets that more intuitively and I think the sort of collaborative space model is a manifestation of that where it's like okay I recognize um you know that I don't have all the answers um and that I'll be better off if I leverage an expert in this area to help me get those answers because I want to I want to be a specialist in this sort of uh, deep dive area. I think your podcast is even an example of that. Like the sort of reality of coming to market with something like this, even five years ago, the so you would have to rent a studio, mm-hmm. you would have to bring a physical guest in. It's like, okay, barrier to entry, barrier to entry, barrier to, like, okay, so you want to have a little radio show, Kirby, Here, your startup cost is 50 grand. Okay, that's never going to happen. So I think we're in this awesome age of, I can dive deep on this thing that I'm really excited about. There's this sense of like, um, I don't know, like, of, we're, we're a little less fearful around how we're going to be viewed. I'm going to just go out there and try it. I've been doing like Facebook live videos and I'm like, ready, fire, aim. We're going to figure this out because <laughs> I'm not an interviewer, but I know that Facebook live is now the thing that they're trying to give a lot of impressions for. So mm-hmm. I want to get as much attention for as limited amount of value as I can. Um, so to, to tie it back to your question around our space, it's like, I think a collaborative mindset recognizes that A, I don't have all the answers. Um, B, I'm confident that what I'm doing, I'm doing better and or like I can do better. Therefore, I'm not fearful around sharing because um, if X person that I'm sharing with uh, goes and does this better and I've been the one that helped them in whatever way, that's going to come back in a positive way for me. Uh, I think that's something that it, it may not even be generational. I just think that there is a, there is a, it is a mindset that many people have that I think needs to be more uh, in vogue of, you know, I, I want to share the good stuff because um, if I do, it's going to make my community better. It's going to make these relationships better. Um, and the more that happens, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily like a karma thing. I just think it's a, a life experience that like I've been given gifts. If I try to keep them to myself, those gifts are going to go away. So I, it's a, you know, got to, got to give to get back. Well, and as I think about your business all around, it's going to make the business better. It's going to make more folks want to be a part of refinery. It's going to make yeah. more, you, you know, it's, there's, there are absolutely business implications there as well. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, if we're helping people succeed in their business, yeah, that's the testimony that is going to bring people, more people into the business. We've already seen it and we haven't even really fully launched yet. Yes. Well, ha- uh, help us here because we have a lot of young professionals that are yeah. in a variety of work environments. Um, some folks, um, let's say uh, I'm thinking about some friends right now. Some of my friends are work from home mamas. They're managing mm-hmm. three and doing a, a business and all at once, which if I can be a millennial hashtag heroes, right? I'm like, how in the world are you managing all that? It's <laughs> impressive. Um, we have folks that are in the classroom. We have folks that are in um, office spaces 
everyone's workspace looks really different. Yeah. Uh, but I think you've brought a lot of uh, mentalities. I mean, so uh, in a, in a way of a practical application, how can we work and live in light of a of this conversation? So how can we um, bring that co-working, I don't know, mentality or model into our lives? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm just trying to reflect a little bit as, as we're talking here. I, I mean, I'm going back on my own mind and, and part of what I'm, you know, going to do is like answer that as what I, what would I have been benefited from a decade ago, you know, as I've been growing, uh, within my understanding of self and, and work and, and all that. Um, and I think it, it, I think there's just a whole lot to, uh, digging in to understand self, meaning like what, what's your motivation person in office right now in the cubicle? Like I've, I've been too defined by, and I think, uh, as a culture we'll, we're too directed by, um, fear and safety as, as sort of an underlying, but unconscious motivation with so many of our decisions. Um, so I would, I would just dig deep on self. And, and so it's like, I'm working really hard and like, where do you, where do you spend your paycheck? What's it going to? Because I mean, there's nothing more sort of black and white than like that to direct what your motivations are than what your, where your paycheck's going to. And that says a lot more about your character and your motivations and where you're going to end up than sort of what your hopes and dreams are. Cause really like your hopes and dreams are going to be useless unless you start putting action behind them. So I, I think that's the cool thing about um, the biggest asset your, your listeners have right now is time. And so um, I would leverage the time you have as being in your twenties or wherever you are. And, and, and to myself, like I'm young, there's somebody 50 that's like, dude, you're 38. Like, don't think you have to have it all figured out. And so I'm telling myself this right now is that like, A, don't be afraid. Dig deep to understand what your motivations are. Don't be afraid to audit yourself without um, without sort of rosy colored glasses on. Like mm-hmm. if you're spending if you're spending six hundred dollars a month meeting friends, great. Like if if you value your sort of friendship and that time over everything else, but don't think you can do that and spend more on that than your side hustle business and that, and expect your side hustle business to be your full-time hustle anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful at all. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I just going back to that, like my point, like, uh, I'm afraid to do X like, why, why are you afraid? Like dig deep on that question. Understand your, understand that. Why understand what those motivations are. Is it because your parents expect certain, you know, some outflow from it? Uh, do you expect to have like the uh, white picket fence? Is that where you think happiness is going to lie? Um, and that's cool if that's you. Um, but I would just want to make sure that there's integrity between what your hopes and dreams are and like, and then the decisions and actions you're taking today. I think asking that question of what are you afraid of? Uh, could, is really good. Also one thing I wrote down. So it's interesting to me that we're 
when this one launches, I'm not sure exactly what episode, but when we're recording the day of, there are 23 episodes out. I really appreciate the fact that you said, hey, you guys have time. That's one of the best things that, that you have, one of the best resources. I think that's the first time that's really surfaced in a conversation. So for folks that are listening, you young professionals and even college students that are listening, um, lean on that and take advantage of that, you know, and start mapping out what those plans could look like. And of course, in the midst of that, yeah. so the question of what you're afraid of. But I think, Brian, that's the first time that has come Jeez. up in the episode. So, that's the biggest thing. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. And, you, and, and I think, and this isn't me, I'm sort of regurgitating a, another podcast I listened to, <laughs> a lot more profane than this one, but Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, ask ask Gary V if you're if you want to be an entrepreneur and you don't mind um, a lot of f words, listen to him because he's better at this than I'll ever be. But you have so much time, but nobody's nobody has patience. Mm. Like, be patient. Success overnight successes most of the time. You just haven't heard about and like I I've, I've been doing stuff for a decade and like thirty eight. And like just now doing this and it's through like failures a lot of times that one gets the lessons and then builds up the platform to be able to say some stuff with, with much authority. Mark Zuckerberg is not going to, you're not going to be Mark Zuckerberg. Like you're not going to launch the next thing that and you're going to be a billionaire in a month. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, so that's, I don't know if that's useful at all, but, Man, I just think it's like recognizing how much time you have, how much free time you have too. If you don't have three kids, like you have free time. I mean, I'm just saying like, yes, you want to figure out how much time you have, like talk to your friends that may have had a kid and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't do anything on my own anymore because I have this human to raise. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Uh, But man, taking hold of that time can be one of the biggest next steps, you know, really figuring out. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation very much. Uh, we've had a lot of um, a lot of good uh, discussion, but also some practical questions, examples, next steps. Brian, everybody that comes on Sharpen uh, is asked two questions. And the first one is to, oh, it's not really a question. It's a request. Uh, we love to have shout outs made. We think it's real important to, to give... Um, uh, to, to express gratitude. So uh, we'd like to give you the chance to make a shout out today. Yeah. So first and foremost, my wife, Tiffany. So in just uh, like life ways, she does so much, but like practically speaking, I, w- I wouldn't be an entrepreneur without her because she provided the foundational. So to the fear factor side, like we had bills to pay, and so I was able to start a business and, and make nothing for two years because of her great job and her sort of belief in what we were trying to do. So that, and then uh, my mentor uh, that gave me that opportunity to work in Mexico is a guy named Jerry Nelson, who was, uh, he's an entrepreneur, um, took sort of a chance on a 24 year old guy that didn't have any, um, didn't have any business doing what I was doing, get, exposed me to a whole lot of uh, opportunity and, and uh, learning that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Cool. So that's my shout outs. Very cool. We also like to uh, to learn from our guests what has been a game changer for them. Um, it can be 
very uh very sim- something simple uh and you know I've, we've kind of uh brainstormed the the various or we talked about the many game changers of guests in the past which is which is so fun to learn from them uh but basically anything that sent your path in a different direction it can be small or it can be big oh wow um hmm. i think um growing up in a family of faith um I just think exposure to uh, parents that lived out values. Uh, it's it wasn't necessarily like uh, forced down my throat, and so having like examples of values, but then a lot of space to uh, explore and be an individual. I'm just more and more grateful for the rea- for that reality that like. Um, it wasn't necessarily forced down a defined pathway. And I think that's, that's something that I've reflected on becoming a parent now. Um, you know, we are created uniquely with unique gifts and crazy, unique personalities. And, um, again, it goes back to what I was saying about like fear and safety and that sort of thing. Like, I think a great takeaway that I've, that I'm trying to live out with how I parent is to realize that like, um, that my kids are going to, they've already won. And, and that's a point that I wanted to make. Everybody listening to this, we've won. We're, we're in America today. <laughs> you have an iPhone or some sort of a smartphone. If you're listening to this, most likely like we have resources. We probably have education. We have, we're like, probably cool with roof over our head and food to eat. Like we've won historically. We are winners. Mm-hmm. We are the 1% of 1%. Now go out with that mentality instead of what I think is far too often the mentality of what I don't have. So I love that you're focusing on gratitude. I love that you're trying to like improve one another through sort of iron sharpening iron as uh, you know, that's what jumps to my head when I think about sharpen Mm -hmm. that's what sort of is the uh, mentality of refinery Um, so i think just taking that sort of we you've already won so what do you have to be afraid of mentality that's what i want my kids to have and i feel like that's what i was blessed to have as as a kid Mm, that's so good well Thanks for the time today. Thanks for sharpening us. And uh, if uh, I'll uh, I'll link in our show notes, Brian. Um, I, I know you had a couple of um, interviews, a variety of things. So if you want to yeah. learn more about Refinery Forty Six, we'll provide those links um, in the show notes, folks. So thanks awesome. again for joining us um, on today's Sharpen Podcast. Thanks. Mm-hmm.